Welcome to Gravity, a podcast on the environment and human rights issues from the local to the global. On April 25, 2014, the city of Flint, Michigan, switched its water from the Detroit Water and Sewerage Department to the Flint River, which has been polluted by decades of industrial waste. While the city was required under federal law to treat the water, a step that would have cost merely $100 a day for the city's 100,000 population, they declined to do this. The people of Flint were provided with water that exposed them to high concentrations of lead, as well as bacteria, including E. coli, total coliform, and Legionella bacteria, which causes Legionnaire's disease. The city responded to the bacterial threat by urging residents to boil water, which increased the concentration of lead in the water, as well as exposing the residents to carcinogenic disinfection byproducts. During 2014 and 2015, the city of Flint was also masking the concentration of lead in its water, which has led to three officials being criminally charged. The tests were corrupted in three ways. One, they were pre-flushing or running taps for several minutes. Two, choosing homes near recent water mains. And three, eliminating homes that tested highest from the study. On February 25, 2015, an independent Virginia Tech study found that Flint water contained a concentration of lead of 13,200 parts per billion. To put this in perspective, water is considered hazardous at 5,000 parts per billion. The decision to use Flint River water and not to treat it was made by an appointed and unelected emergency financial manager under the authority of Public Act 436. Under this act, Michigan installed emergency financial managers in a number of cities, all of which have majority black populations. These cities included Flint and Detroit, where residents have had their water shut off for areas as little as $150 since March 2014. The people of Michigan did not want this law. In fact, when Public Act 4 was put to a referendum in 2012, the people of Michigan overwhelmingly voted against the law. However, Public Act 436 was instituted months later with its main substantive difference being that it could not be repealed by the people. This law has led to an undemocratic expropriation of public resources. Not only were the people of Flint poisoned and the people of Detroit denied their water, but residents of both cities were paying some of the highest rates for water in the country, roughly double the national average. The worst affected in this shameful crisis have been the immigrant communities of Flint and undocumented immigrants in particular. The majority found out their water was contaminated by lead numerous months after most Flint residents as no provision was made to provide information in languages other than English and as the National Guard, which was providing free water filters and free bottled water to residents, at first requested for identification at a time when ICE was conducting increased rates nationally. With me today to discuss this Stygian situation is San Juana Olivares, president of the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative, which serves the Latino community of Flint and surrounding Genesee County. Hi, Wani. Welcome to Gravity. Hi. Thank you. So you are the president of the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative. May you please tell me a little bit about your organization? Yes. So the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative is an organization that's um that focuses on advocacy for the undocumented Hispanic Latino communities here in in Flint, well, throughout Genesee County. And what are the major issues that the undocumented communities and immigrant communities are facing in Flint? Currently, what they're facing is that they lack services in the health due to the water crisis that we've been going through. And some of the families and children need medical assistance 
but cannot be uh, treated because they're undocumented because obviously they don't qualify for, uh, like the children don't qualify for the medical, the Medicaid expansion and the parents being undocumented don't qualify for any insurance uh, whatsoever. So these children were drinking the tap water for a lot longer than other children, correct? Because undocumented families, I was reading that it took a few months for them to have the news. The government, when they started the emergency measures, did not take appropriate measures for Spanish-speaking communities to be able to understand what was happening. Is that correct? That is correct. The city of Flint or any government let the city of city residents know about the issue. They didn't translate anything. So by the time that some of the families found out was of January of this year, and some already had known since last year during the summertime, um, when everyone was aware or were letting them know that it was lead in the water and not to drink it. And how did the majority of undocumented and immigrants, the Spanish community members, find out about the contamination? So most of them found out through our organization once we started canvassing. Some of the families had already found out through other families that live outside the country because they had seen something on TV. Some of them found out through other friends. Um, And we still have families that to this day that don't know about the the issue that we're going through. So just to confirm, did you just say that some families found out from news outside the country about what was happening locally? Yes. Some families received a call from family members from Mexico asking them what was going on with the water because they had heard that there were there was issues in the water, but they didn't know as much as the ones that knew here. So that's how some of the families started asking around, like, what's going on with the water? Um, and then little by little, they started finding out that, oh, there's lead in the water, which some of them didn't have any knowledge what lead was. They were under the assumption that lead was a bacteria, which it isn't. It's a metal. So some of the families were boiling the water. Which doesn't get rid of the lead. Right. It just it, it increases the, the lead levels. And and I was reading that that some residents that did not speak English very well were uh, seeing the you know television advertisements that were telling them that they shouldn't be drinking the water, but they didn't really understand what was in the water, so they thought that boiling the water would get rid of whatever it was, not understanding that it could be lead, which is something that is um, you know so baffling that it could occur uh, when you're next to pristine water sources. Right. You also said that some families are still not aware. So what is currently happening to uh, to reach out to these families? So, so some of the families that still don't know are families that, um, that the parents work 14, 16-hour shifts, like, at different places. So they're never home. So by the time we did some canvassing, they won't, they, of course, obviously, they're not home, they're not going to open the door. But then there's still that trust issue, you know, they've been lied to, um, they were the last ones to know, so they, it's not easy for them to just go ahead and let literally anyone in to talk about uh, talk about what the issue, you know, that we're having. Um, I mean, for one, I mean, they're already scared that it could be someone that's going to deport them, um, you know, among other reasons. So it, it's very hard to to reach out to them. 
and and the only way that that we can reach out to them is going to the re- to the restaurants where they may work or other places or through Facebook or text messages um, to get the information to them. And when this crisis was unfolding, where uh, the average Flint resident understood that their water was unsafe to drink because of the lead contamination. Uh, I believe that at the same time, the federal government had upped raids of families for deportation. And were the, was the community, the, the Latino community, aware of increased deportation raids at that time, which might have made them more hesitant to answer the door for people that were canvassing to give them information about the water? Yes. So there was a couple, there was a few raids that were done um, in the beginning of the year. So families were aware because they had either seen them at the store, which that's where they were doing most of the raids. So, so they went into panic mode. They, they were not going out to ask for water. They were not even buying water because of that. And the raids have stopped. I mean, we've seen the homeland driving around, but according to them, it's because they're providing security to government buildings, which we really don't have that many here. So that's that's, that's an inexcusable excuse. <laughs> and were there issues with families that understood that there was a water crisis, but they couldn't access or were afraid to access the free water that the government was giving out by the National Guard because they were warned that they would have to provide ID and they didn't have any ID because of their status? Yeah, so uh, with the National Guard, they, um, at one point they were not asking for anything, but what happened was that we started getting other people coming from outside the city of Flint to get water, to collect water for themselves. So then that's when they're like, oh, you know, we need to do something. And they uh, decided to start asking for IDs to kind of sort of control who will receive the water, not realizing that, oh, we have an immigrant community here. And we're not just talking Hispanics or Latinos. We're talking Chinese. We're talking Russians. We're talking German. We're talking French, um, Arabs, Indians. Um, who may not have a valid ID or license. So it was very difficult for them to get water, even to the point where some of them just say, you know, no, we're not going to go because um, what if I have, I don't have a valid ID or license and I get deported. And is this still happening now or has the government and the state government realized that it has to, you know, ch- change its ways and have more effective communication to be able to distribute the free water to immigrant communities? Um, so it's not happening happening anymore. I mean, there are some requirements, some things that are required, like um, they give out filters, but um, they do need to keep track of the filters of which homes they're going to for inventory so that if they run out, they need to order some new ones. So they're not asking for ideas or licenses, but they are asking to provide an address, which is different and better for some because they don't feel like, oh, you know, we have to show some kind of valid or uh, valid ID or license. So what could the government, in your opinion, have done better to be able to more effectively communicate the dangers to the immigrant and particularly the undocumented community, uh, particularly the Spanish speaking community or other non-English speaking communities? I think what they could have done better is to have everything everything that they had originally sent out to the residents here in Flint, to have everything translated into the multiple languages so that when everything was out, 
people were aware of what was what what was going on about the crisis and and not rushing at the last minute trying to get translations done and trying to make sure that certain services were were being taken care of for these uh, immigrant communities. But you know, it, it's a live and learn lesson. I mean, they learned that okay, we realize that we do have more than just an English speaking community. We we have more than that. So I hope that this this was a learning lesson for them that maybe so something that happens like this, start translating things in advance because you never know who who will need to know what what's going on in the community. Sure, and and to also make clear that undocumented people will not be punished and deported if they come to receive water that's not contaminated with a poison. <laughs> right. For, for instance, I know that um, New York had this policy uh, before Sandy hit, understanding that there were a lot of undocumented workers in the city. So it was very explicitly stated Uh, Firstly, it was stated in Spanish and throughout the local Spanish media that the hurricane was coming. And secondly, that they were not going to be punished at all if they requested aid and that they were entitled to the aid. So it seems that in the situation in Flint, this didn't happen at all. Right. So looking at the situation right now with the families that are impacted, so some families still don't know that they're drinking contaminated water, so they're continuing to drink contaminated water. And the families that have been affected, their children are not receiving adequate medical care. So the the children that are not receiving the adequate medical services uh, are the children that are undocumented. Um, And and that's because, um, like I said, they don't have any insurance and they don't qualify for any insurance because... You know, with Medicaid, you have to be a permanent legal resident and you have to be a U.S. citizen. Um, so because of that, they, they can't get in treatment. Yeah, we have free clinics, but that's not even enough because some of the free clinics, you can only be seen three times a year. And you know that if you've been exposed to lead, depending on what your symptoms are, this is not a three-time visit throughout the year. This is something that you may have to be seen by a doctor on a weekly basis, maybe on a monthly basis. It, it just it depends. So the situation continues to be extremely dire. There are still people drinking the water that are uninformed that the water is contaminated by lead and therefore continuing to expose themselves to lead. And then there are people that understand the water is contaminated that are not drinking the water but have no recourse to medical treatment. And, of course, this uh, falls particularly heavily on the children that are exposed to the lead. And as you said, uh, three visits is just inconsequential. They need access to continual and effective medical care. Right, right. It seems that people very early on in Flint were recognizing there was something wrong with the water and that for months they were uh, trying to find an answer, but nothing was forthcoming. Yeah, so a lot, I mean, from the beginning when the water was switched, we all knew something was wrong with the water. The water was coming out dirty, like dark yellow. It smelled bad. And then I noticed like, oh, well, you know, it's going to take time to get it clean. They finally started getting it clean where they added the chlorine, but then they added too much chlorine. We couldn't use it for a certain period of time. And then they're like, oh, everything's fine. And then 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 the problem started with the lead. Um, And then it just went from bad 
to worse because <laughs> people were start, were having reactions on their skins, especially the the, the kids, um, and even the adults. And you know, some adults lost hair. Some ended up with rashes on their bodies. I mean, same thing with the babies, um, the children. Some of the babies um, that I know of personally, they're about maybe eight months old now. One of them specifically, she's got a high high levels of lead at 29, and um, her mom drank the water throughout the pregnancy. She didn't give the baby any formula. She was breastfeeding the baby, and she she didn't even find find out about it till uh, literally a few months ago. And she's like, you know, and I thought maybe I was okay because you know I I drank it after the fact, even after I had the baby, but it, it wasn't the baby. Um, has seizures. The baby was slowly developing, not developing like like she should, as a as a baby would. Um, the baby did not was not able to see till she was about four or five months old. Which you know, as a newborn, I mean, I, I believe it's about two weeks. I mean, I really don't know. I don't have any children, but the doctors were a, a little worried that maybe she was not going to see at all because her mother was contaminated. With the lead and while she yes. was a fetus and while she was nursing. Yep. And um, and the mom has high levels of lead as well because of that. It's just uh, atrocious. And and this is, is happening for uh, 18 months or, or is it still happening? Is the water safe to drink now? No, the water's still not safe to drink. I mean, we, we get different, <laughs> um, like, oh, you Children under the age of six are not allowed to, not even um, senior citizens, but in between they're okay. It's not even safe to bathe in it still. I mean, they're still uh, it's, I, I, it. This is something that's not going to go away in months or a couple of years. This is something that's going to be a long-term process. So while this occurs, <clears throat> while the water is still unsafe, people are dependent on bottled water for everything for eating for drinking for bathing brushing their teeth yep pretty much so you just mentioned before as well that lead was not the only contaminant they had found of it the for instance there was an e-coli they they found e-coli for uh some months of people were boiling their water but they found other bacteria and synthetic products um which i guess isn't a surprise since the flint river you know, it has been near like the automotive industry that had distributed pollutants into it. But there were cases of Legionnaire's disease, which is meant to be extremely rare. But it seems that in Flint, there were several cases of Legionnaire's disease, probably because of the water. Right. Yeah. Um, at one point, the Legionnaire's disease came, was talked about months ago. Some people had developed symptoms of like pneumonia and then they Obviously, we're not saying much about it um, until just recently because of the water. There's a lot of problems that came from the water, not just um, the... I mean, the lead contamination is probably the most heinous, but I guess we don't even know what the real effects would be because a lot of the effects would be long-term. Right. Yeah, we we don't know. I mean, what we know... Um, so far is that um, on the children, their DNA has changed. The DNA um, will be, um, so it, it changed their DNA. When they have children, their children's DNA will be changed. 
their grandchildren's DNA will be changed onto their great grandchildren. So three generations. Three generations will be affected. Mm-hmm. The government wanted to save money. And right. they switched the water and they didn't. Uh, and when they switched the water to a river, that it was general knowledge that it was polluted. And then they the pipes were lead and they didn't put an anti-corrosive agent into the pipes, again, to save money. Now, in, in these interests of saving money, they also hiked the price of water in Flint. It seems that Flint residents, uh, while they were being poisoned by the water that they were receiving, were also paying one of the highest rates in the country. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, we were paying the highest rates on water here in Flint going through um, this crazy crisis. I know that it's, the bills have been stopped, but that's not, I mean, I'm sure that it will eventually go back to receiving high bills. If we don't, I'll be surprised. So during the time that Flint residents were being poisoned, the bills were the highest in the country. And when did they when did they stop the billing or or is this still continuing that you can't use the water but you're being billed for it? Yeah, um we stopped receiving water bills maybe back in February, March of what? this year. Oh, okay. So in October uh, it was publicly declared that the water was contaminated with lead, but they were still billing until February or March. Yep. And I mean, and now we're receiving bills, but for credit for the water that we paid pretty much two years. Right. While, while you, the, the poisoned water that you were paying for. Yes. The crisis in Flint, which it's just so ineffably horrific. And then there's the crisis in Detroit, which is only an hour away where they, um, people were denied their water by water shutoffs. So we had um, two emergency managers, so unelected officials that to cut costs decided to hike up water prices in both cities. One city was switched to a river that was polluted without proper anti-corrosive agents for the pipes and another city was shutting off water for for its residents um about mm-hmm. three thousand a week in um in detroit but not shutting off the water for uh golf courses and and uh certain automotive uh employers and manufacturers and i understand that in flint as well that the um the motor industry was not using the water because they found it was corroding its engines and they had a special hookup. Now, was that public yes. knowledge in Flint? And no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, we found out about it after literally this year, maybe a few months ago. Are <laughs> citizens, in, citizens and activists and, and nonprofit organizations in Flint and Detroit getting together now? to collectively seek a solution because it seems that this is a much wider problem that is pervasive in Michigan because the emergency managers were really put in um, by far uh, majority black and Latino communities. Right. Yes. I mean, now now we have to come together to try to fix something that, you know, that the government did. I mean, one with Flint trying to save money and whatever reasons Detroit had, 
but you know, it, it didn't help the residents. It poisoned the kids, it poisoned the, the adults. And now we as nonprofit organizations, community activists and others have to try to fix this. And I think it's also appalling that, I mean, when you think about a water crisis, you you, it, it's a little illogical that it would happen in Michigan where you have the Great Lakes, where you have right. and, and such a vast body of pristine, fresh glacial water. But then the other thing that seems illogical is that the citizens were given poisoned water, were paying extremely high rates for water, but from 2001, Nestle has been taking... If you read, it's anywhere from 200 to 400 gallons a minute from mm-hmm. uh, Michigan's pristine water and really not paying anything for it. And, right. And, of course, Nestle makes huge profits of its bottled water, but I noticed that in both Detroit during the uh, shutoffs, and this was in the, the summer of 2014, and in Flint, and I'm not sure if they're continuing to do this now, but they're distributing their bottled water as if um, they're somehow you know, saviors and not contributing to this problem as if water privatization is the future where people pay as they go in their water use instead of receiving uh, what should be public and affordable water from the government. Right. It's a bit of a travesty. I mean, how is the community in Flint responding to this? I mean, well, they're not happy. I mean, here we have a company that's not being charged for the water and then here we are suffering we had to pay for water that pretty much around around us. How are they continuing without using the water in their pipes? So do they go out and buy bottled water? Is the government still distributing free water? Um, the water water still being distributed. Not only do we have a water issue, but now we have a recycling issue. We have so many water bottles. Now what? So then we have some, some families that say, you know what, we're just using the wa- bottled waters to bathe the kids because they're, they're the ones who are um, are going to be affected the most. Oh, excuse me. And so the ones that use the regular water are the adults. Um, and they use the, the bottled waters for bathing for the, the kids, uh, the cooking, you know, just the basic like brushing their teeth or washing their face. But the adults are now drinking the contaminated tap water. Mm-hmm. But adults, I mean, yes, it affects children um, quite exponentially more than adults, but adults are still affected by lead contamination. Um, There are are a lot of short-term and long-term negative consequences of... Right, right, but they they still have the same effects, but I, I think that they realize that they're adults but don't... You know, they, they can deal a little more with um, with the lead than un, un, unlike the, the, the immune system of a child. So what are the best next steps that can be taken? I think the next step right now is to try to find the services that these people need, um, that our people need, the medical, um, the insurance, um, to be able to move ahead and, and need, do what needs to be done. We started being treated by, by a doctor. Um, among other things, um, you know, if water is a human right, social services should be a human right, especially those who don't have a voice, those who are undocumented, because at the end of the day, everybody is a human being. 
it's not about who who's here legally and who isn't. If there are services that are needed, we should be able to provide them, especially when these people have been poisoned. Exactly, and poisoned by the government that's now denying these services, particularly to the most vulnerable, um, the children, the infants. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Water is a human right. In fact, it's the most indispensable of all human rights and a prerequisite for the enjoyment of any other right. The right to life, to human dignity, to health, none of these can be affected without access to safe, clean and affordable water. We need water to survive. People need a bare minimum of 50 litres or 13.2 gallons of clean water daily to drink, bathe, cook with and use for sanitary purposes. Now, the majority of people in developed countries use an average of 300 litres or 79.25 gallons daily. People also require a good public health system and access to both preventative and therapeutic care. Here we have very express violations of the right to water, the right to health, and really the right to life for, as you mentioned before, the long-term effects for the children affected are extremely severe and will even impact their progeny. The fact that they are also being denied medical care after being poisoned by their local water supply when they need it is an egregious wrong. I think that the government needs to uh, really understand that it needs to effectuate these rights and provide medical care to everyone as you said everyone is a human being no matter you know how they got here the the point is that they're here and uh, and everyone's being affected so i hope that we find a quick resolution and that all the people of flint in particularly the children have access to clean water and don't have to worry all the time about getting bottled water and then what to do with all the plastic and whether they're getting enough and whether they accidentally got contaminated still. It, it is such a travesty to hear that we're in, you know, 2016 and suffering from these problems. Right. And, and I thank your organization for getting out there and canvassing and giving, this, giving signs to people and uh, informing them of the water because otherwise, you know, they might not have found out. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's, you know, as a, a, a Hispanic, as a community member, it's not our, um, it's not something that, that we do or I, or I do because um, I'm going to get recognized or anything. It's, it's my responsibility that, that I speak up for those that don't have a voice to represent them one way or another and make sure that, that, that they just, that they get those services that they need. Um, because if we don't do it as an, as an organization, myself as a, as a person, then who will? I mean, we have community members here who have been undocumented, who are undocumented, who have been here longer than 20 years, and nobody, no other organization will ever speak up, spoke up for them because everything they wanted to keep hush-hush and then I was like, no, you know, it, it's time that we start looking after these people and, and get them what they need. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is time. And I'm thankful for organizations like yours, the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative, that is doing such important work. Thank you so much for your time today, San Juana. And uh, I hope that our listeners will go and donate to your cause. Thank you so much, and any donations will be greatly appreciated. 
That was Juani Olivares from the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative. To donate to this organization, please go to its CrowdRise site at www.crowdrise.com forward slash water crisis in Flint or make a checkout made payable to the Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative and mailed to Woodside Church, Attention Genesee County Hispanic Latino Collaborative, 1509 East Court Street, Flint, Michigan, 48503. Thank you. I hope you have found this podcast insightful and will join us next time as we explore more issues affecting our environment and human rights at home and around the world. For more materials on this issue, please go to our website, thegravity.fm.